Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Otewa, O'Driscoll, Forgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is cutting back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy, O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out of Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined in studio, as always, for our bumper Six Nations preview by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. I can feel the excitement. Uh, <laughs> it's bubbling, it's yeah, building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, delighted to be here, Will. Um, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line as well by our most prolific guest. I've actually lost count of the amount of times Ian Madigan has appeared, but we're always happy to have him. Ian, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks really for having me, guys. Always good fun coming on. Yeah, and what a time of year as well. The Six Nations just around the corner, and obviously the the, the Ireland team was named for the, for the first game against Scotland today. Ian, um, did anything jump out at you? Were you excited about the team he picked? Were you surprised at any of the decisions? Um, I think it's a very good team. You know, if we were playing, you know, Scotland, um, sorry, if we were playing England or France, it could have been slightly different. Um, but yeah, you know, he's picked a team that he thinks are going to go out and, and, and win the game, and I've, I've no doubt that that team will come away with a win at the weekend. Um, you know, he's probably been a bit safe going with, for example, Murray. But in that, he knows exactly what he's getting from him. You know, a good kicker, uh, great passer of the ball, sticks to the game plan really well. Um, you know, we probably haven't seen the added extras that we've, you know, become accustomed to with him uh, recently. But um, I think in time, you know, we might see John start one of the games during the Six Nations, you know, when the team might need something more to get a win, you know, be it against England or France. Um, so, you know, it's probably the right call for this game, but it wouldn't shock me if there was change later in the competition. Um, I suppose it was, great, it was great to see Doris get in. You know, he's, he's been playing great guns uh, with Leinster and good to see that being rewarded uh, with some of the young guys coming through and, you know, Keller on the bench is another guy who's playing great stuff and, you know, it's probably the the long-term plan there that's, you know, again, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he starts again during the Six Nations, but this is probably a good way to ease him into it. Yeah, Luke, just on the on the Murray-Cooney one, because I guess a few weeks ago you kind of said that you thought that Murray would hang on and, and get the start, and that's how it has transpired. But from John Cooney's perspective, you know, A, what more does he have to do to get a start? And B, like, what are we waiting for? He's going to be 30 in March is now not the ideal time against a Scotland team who realistically are coming in in, in very you know bad shape given Finn Russell's left that squad. Is this not the ideal time to give him a start and see you know what he can do? I don't like what are we waiting for? I don't know. I hear you, Matt. I <laughs> Apologies, hear you. I didn't mean to be ages. Um, yeah, thirty's a new twenty. Will. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tricky question, and there's probably no easy answer to it. I think. To get, and we probably will. I think we'd be more informed after a couple of games under this management team, and we probably have to try and figure out 
what kind of game uh, game plan they're going to play, how they're going to try and impose them on the game. I thought some of Andy Farrell's comments were quite interesting around, I suppose, the difficulty playing against an Irish pack, the few times he experienced it, and probably trying to impose themselves and be very bullish, I think was the wording he used. Um, uh, so, like, I think it'll be interesting to see if that's maybe why he's picked Connor. If those attributes and those things that he's trying to impose in the other teams, he feels like Connor is maybe more suited to that. I thought it was interesting to hear Ian talking about, you know, Connor being brilliant. At sticking to the game plan. Um, I mean, Ian has played next to Connor uh, um team times, played against him, is playing in a playmaking role, and probably has a better appreciation for that than, than me. I mean, I, I just think Connor's an outstanding footballer anyway. Uh, I know he's gone through some troubles behind the scenes regarding some injuries, and I think that's probably really been bubbling under the surface for a while. I think he looks far more himself at this point. Uh, he's played really well the last couple of games and he is the incumbent and he's been one of Ireland's best players for a very long time. And that's probably what I based that that point on a, a couple of weeks ago when we were mentioning John Cooney. In terms of answering your, your question specifically, difficult to say. And I think, you know, John will definitely have a part to play in the competition. Um... But probably with Caelan Doris coming in at eight, it probably made more sense for a bit of, I suppose, stability throughout that spine and the team to... I remember with Rob Herring in there as well, who's not completely an unknown, but you, you want your spine, you want some kind of stability there. With Johnny Sexton, with uh, Conor Murray, you do get that. And those people are connecting the forwards and the backs in your game plan. Having continuity, having people you trust there is very, very important. So um, by no means is, is the race over there. I think Conor will have to play extremely well because um, he is under serious pressure from John. Yeah, Ian, in your experience, you know, with one thing that's kind of brought up a lot is that obviously Car Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton have had such a well-established partnership and they know each other so well. Like, would it really be that difficult if John Cooney started for John and Johnny to build up that rapport, you know, over the course of a couple of, you know, a week or two of training? Is, is it really that difficult? Like, because that's been brought up a lot, but I find that hard to believe that a top player or both two top players couldn't, you know, mesh together well uh, for a big game like that. Yeah, no, I've, I've no doubt that you know if they were selected together, they will they would gel together very quickly. Um, I think for Andy Farrell, you know, he's very conscious of getting off to a winning start. You know, he's under pressure there, and he knows exactly what he's going to get from Murray. You know, if you look at, at at Cooney, you know, he's the main man up in Ulster, and he's been you know dictating and dominating games himself. You know, the international game is different to that. You know, you're more you know a cog in the wheel. Um, and you know that's very much been the way Joe Schmidt has coached the Irish team for the last number of years and you know I, I don't think it's going to be any different under Andy Farrell it's going to be all about the greater good um, so you know I've no doubt we'll see John come on probably after you know with maybe 20-25 minutes to go to make an impact but unless he sticks to that game plan and, and you know does his role within the team he's not going to be chosen to start until he can prove that um, you know being the main man and, and dictating games um, and being the guy who's sticking to the game plan are two different things. So, but do we not want him to bring in? He's got to prove. Do we not want him to bring in what he's been doing for Ulster? Would that not be something if he can? Yeah, I, yeah. Look, you, you know, you want to take the add-ons, definitely. Yeah, but you've also got to be able to, you know, stick to what the plan is. You know, they've done all the the analysis. You know, they've got a game plan that they think is gonna is gonna win them. Um, the match and expect the players going out and executing that. Um, Can I ask you something on that, Ian? Because this is like, to to my mind, like your key guy for implementing the game plan. Which let's face it, that's like individual moments in international matches. Like that's for Jonah Lomu. That's for Christian Cullen. That's for Brian O'Driscoll. 
you want your nine to be facilitating the game plan. If he comes up with a moment of magic, that's great. But that guy's touching the ball the most on the pitch. Magical moments are not yeah. what you want from him. You want 95 or 95% of the time, you just want the first thing he sees to play it. You know, whether that's on the break, whether that's passing, whether that's feeding the 10, whether that's feeding the pack. Am I wrong on that or is that... Like, I get the magic moments. I do get it, Will. I, I'm not fighting you on that too much. But I just think just the back up being... Well, not the back up, but do you think... am I? Is that kind of where you're going with that, yeah. Ian? Yeah, no, that, that, that's kind of my point. And look, I, I, think he, I think he will be, you know, the guy who can stick to the game plan. You know, he's um, you know, very fond of John, but he's, you know, a rugby player and, and, and a guy. You know, he's a quality, quality fella. Um, and I think this is going to be the Six Nations that he does break through. But for the coaches to pick him and him to start, he's got to show that. Um, but yeah, look, I, I do agree with you. That's what it's all about. You know, it's about facilitating the other players when you're a halfback and you know giving them the opportunities to be a you know one on one or whatever it might be. Mm. And you know, if you can add in that extra bit of spice, that's just an, an added extra. It's, it might necessarily get you starting. Mm. I guess just some of the talk has been that it wouldn't be as Obviously, there'll be a game plan for every match, but it won't be as game plan heavy or, or you know as regimented. So, picking a John Cooney who does you know produce these moments or go for things like that might mesh well with the new style that maybe Mike Cat wants to bring in, or the way they've that's certainly the way they've been talking about it anyway. Yeah, well, like, like I think the one thing with it is they'll always be operating within a framework anyway. Like you'll always want to have some kind of plan, mm. like whether it's like Joe Joe Schmidt perhaps may have been a bit more prescriptive about what he's trying to do, and because his real strength was really manipulating, you know, and figuring out where different people are going to be at different times and being able to manipulate that. This might not that might not be the 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 mentality of this new coaching staff, and we're going to see that. But they are still going to be operating within a framework, mm. and they need the facilitator to be guiding that to be you know getting people in the right position to be making consistent decisions that people around them can read and you know that's I think that's probably the main job and to, to Ian's point I think this will be an there will be lots of opportunities in this um, competition for John there might even be some for Luke McGrath I think he's played very well for Leinster as well um, probably been the victim of maybe Connor being the incumbent and John just playing outstandingly well for Ulster but those people will get opportunities in this Six Nations. The pro the challenge for John is going to be tr trying to show that and build trust um, in him from the you know with the coaching staff with periods of maybe twenty five minutes in some of the larger games where I think they they probably still will go with Connor if he plays very well. So that's going to be his challenge is coming on and and trying to fight that. I suppose that first instinct to try and show something special um, because everyone's been talking about that. I think as Ian said, fit in. You know, facilitate. Let's you know, build a bit of trust with the with the with the team first of all, um, and build a relationship with Johnny or your ten or your eight in the pack. You know, that's that's what the really important thing for John to get into this team and to really capitalize on his form for Ulster would be my opinion on this one. I think um, I, I do feel from he has been he's been playing better than Connor. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I don't think um, so. It will hurt, but he needs to get over that quickly because this is a great opportunity for him. Yeah, you know what? What about some of the other areas of the team when there's been, I guess, a little bit of fresh freshness in, uh, like Jordan Larmer at full back, Andrew Conway, kind of two other form selections with Jacob Stockdale in the back three as well. Um, you know, how excited are you to see what they can bring? Yeah, like the three of them have been in great form um, for their provinces, and you know, it's just if they can get quality ball, you know, simple two v two opportunities with you know 20 meters of space if you can if we you know if the Irish back line and the Irish pack can provide that to that back three you know out of 10 opportunities in a game they're going to come up with something you know three four five times um 
So it's just really about presenting them with those true, you know, true opportunities in the wide channels. Um, you know, they've all got great pace. Uh, both wingers are really, really good in the air. It's, you know, something that Andrew Conway's really brought into his game. It's a real strength. You know, you, you see Munster go to a week in, week out, um, and there's no doubt that that will be carried through into the international game. Um, and then, you know, he's someone like Larmer who can come up with, you know, that, that bit of magic and, you know, he's a big game player anytime he's, there's been questions after, asked of him, he stepped up um, and, you know, Stockdale's pretty similar, you know, he's been in great form for Ulster and, you know, we've seen what he's been able to do in previous Six Nations, you know, he steps up with big moments, whether it's, you know, chip and chase or coming up with an intercept, um, he seems to be able to sniff them out. And what about the back three for you, Luke, what do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, I like the look of it, um, you know, I, I, you know, some probably some concerns maybe uh, around the defensive aspect, which has probably been my been the case with me, uh, particularly with Stockdale. So I think that'll be a big challenge, and I suppose I mentioned that because they come up against a Stuart Hogg, who is just for me going forward probably the best player, uh, probably the best back back three player. I'm going to say in the Six Nations, I think. Um, he's got it all. He can, you know, he's got a lovely passing game. He's got a huge kicking game, and he's got a deft one as well. He can come off either foot. He's got the goose step as well. Um, you know, he he is a real, real threat. So they'll need to be ha- have a great game uh, from a defensive perspective and shut him down. Not provide that Scottish team with opportunities through Hog because they'll feed Hog all day, um, and he's their talisman. So that's the first thing, uh, and, and I think they can they can get that right. Uh, you know, I think particularly for Stockdale, he looks like he has shown some improvement in that area, uh, but he'll re- need to really be on his game this time around. Um, you know, Larmer, uh, I love the selection. I thought he should have been picked in the World Cup. He was the he has been a form player. He's exciting. Um, I would like to see him make sure he is feeding Conway and Stockdale. They're both great running threats themselves I think if he does feed them I think he will get the ball back as well from them they both they're not greedy players um, you know they will make the right play um, so I hope he does that because that'll provide him with opportunities to, to himself as well which is his real threat is his running game um, I do think he's got a good kicking game as well which I like but I'd be interested to hear if, if, if Ian uh, agrees because I think that's an important part for him uh, particularly in the international level there's times where you know, teams will just, there's, there's, you're playing against top class athletes, very organised, smart rugby players, and they'll have a plan for someone like Larmer. Um, he needs to pick and choose his spots, whether that's a pass to to someone else or whether he's kicking it. So he needs to do those things well. And the basics will be what will calm him down and allow him to do that as well. I mean, a few high ball takes. He's a small guy, but as Andrew Conway's shown, you don't need to be a big guy to be really good. You just need excellent technique there. So, um, that they're the kind of things I'd be looking for with the back three that they get those things right. I think the rest of the game will flow for them. Um, but um, I think it's the, they're the right selections, they're the right people in form at the right time. Yeah, Ian, in terms of yeah, oh, sorry. It's a, it's a, yeah, no, it's a good point that Luke's made there. Just I, I do think we will see Larmer challenge on his backfield cover. It wouldn't shock me if uh, Andy Farrell decides to play both wingers high. Um, you know, I think in the last few years, you know, the, the Irish backline um, have conceded a lot of ground in the wide channel. You know, we have got caught narrow, um, and I, I think that's going to be one of the big areas of improvement. We're going to try and get you know wider, wider in defence, set wider. You know, maybe cover the backfield with our you know our scrum half and, and our full back and have him working really hard. But with that, you know, you've you're going up for high balls with you know no one around you or else you're being put under massive pressure to make the catch and get the kick away quickly. Um, and, you know, in fairness to Rob Carney, that's something that he's been, you know, fantastic at over the last probably 10 years. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and, and look, it's, it's at that high level of international uh, games where teams are, you know, can scout that and go, look, this is an opportunity. We're going to get this guy on his left foot, you know, catching a high ball and we're going to have three guys coming down at him really hard. He's going to be able to get a kick away. You know, is he going to try and run it out when he shouldn't? Um, and, you know, they're the challenges that are going to be coming up for Larmer. But, you know, I've no doubt that he'll be able to step up to it. Yeah, it's interesting because it was definitely a game, I think it was Argentina in the autumn of 2018, just before the all Blacks game, when he was at full-back and a couple of the high balls, he was kind of caught at sea a little bit. So it is a big challenge. Well, it's his biggest challenge, I think, is the, the like he is a small guy. There's lots of benefits to that. It makes you hard to tackle. Uh, you know, he's obviously got a very low centre of gravity. Um, but mm-hmm. in the air, like, people will find something. Like, it was, you know, Jason Robinson was unbelievable. Like, what a rugby player. You know, Shane Williams, the same thing. But in lots of big games, they did get exposed. You know, I'm thinking of the World Cup final when Lottie Takiri goes up above Jason Robinson, uh, you know, Shane Williams. And how many times was he brushed aside and, you know, or missed a big tackle or was, you know, high ball was put under pressure. Um, you know, but then there's lots of lots of people who do really well at that. I mean, Lee Halfpenny is an outstanding, uh, you know, fetcher of the ball. He's a small man as well. So, look... It's about commitment. It's about technique. It's about being calm in the big moments. I think they will test him. I think they'd be stupid not to. I think you have a lot of weapons there. Looks like they might go with Adam Hastings, um, who's a nice player. Um, but Stuart Hogg is a cannon of a boot. Um, so he will need to be, and as, as Ian said, like Ireland defend with those wingers up high all the time. And it could be a reason why Conor Murray's selected as well. Um, something we haven't touched on, his, his backfield cover and his reading in the game are so, so good. And without Rob Kearney there, um, you know, Jordan might need a little bit of help. Someone like, uh, you know, Conor's excellent back there. So they will test him. He needs to be calm and, and deal with them well. Um but I expect him to be able to do that. I have a lot of. I think he's really, really impressed me in the last year. I think he's come on leaps and bounds in terms of his reading of the game. He's very fit, um, and he's very willing and believes in himself. So um, I'm hoping he goes well. I think he's the right selection regardless, anyway, because he's the guy in form, anyway. Yeah, and Ian, if we just look at the kind of the tournament as a whole, like Ireland have three home games against Italy, uh, Wales, and Scotland starting this weekend, and away games against England and France. There's a new coaching staff there. Like, what what would what would constitute a good tournament for Ireland? Do you think? Um, I think you know it's obviously very tough going away to to England and France, but you know I'd expect us to win our three home games and pick up one win away from home and finish second with a chance of coming first. I think that would be a great result for us. Um, I think getting an away win is going to be tough this year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, it'd be interesting to see how France pan out. Um, they're always so difficult to call, but I think having someone like Sean Edwards in could really galvanise them as long as they can understand them. Could be tricky, though. <laughs> um, I think uh, I would agree with Ian. I think that would be a really good result. I think Twickenham probably looks like a stretch for this team at the moment, but, um, yeah, let's wait and see. I mean, no, no, you know, no, no. I, I, like, I like France this year. I think France will go well, you know. Yeah. If they can get over that first hurdle of beating, you know, England in France, I think they're going to be a very tough team to stop. You know, we don't know what they're like when they get momentum behind. Yeah. Um, but if they, you know, the flip side of that is if they if they lose that first game, the wheels come off very quickly as well. Yeah, because some of their guys, Luke, are in like really good form. Like Vakatawa has been like probably the player of the Champions Cup thus far. <clears> you know, they've gone with you to uh, captain Charles Olivon from Toulon, who's been really he was really good at the World Cup, and cool. obviously bringing in Edwards as well. You know, they they haven't often brought in outside voices into that national coaching setup, or, or certainly not for for quite a while. Um, and there is a bit of a sense that, as Ian said, if they do get a victory at the weekend, that things could 
you know, build in their favour pretty quickly. Well, they've got such... The, 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 the talent's never been an issue over there. It's just whether they can get everyone pulling in the same direction, you know, and they're very volatile, I think, just generally. Uh, it's a big generalisation, but I, I think I'm probably right, particularly in a rugby sense. Um, you know, so again... They're they're very emotive about about things, you know. So if they if they do lose against, it could be all doom and gloom, and they might find it hard to recover. I still think they're very difficult to beat at home. They're always a challenge there, particularly for Irish teams. I don't know why we've we've struggled there for, you know, for a lot. It's a really difficult. Like even when we've had better teams, like we crawl over the line against them somehow, you know. A and they have loads of threat. Halfway line. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we were way better on the day, you know, just one mistake. And they have loads of guys across the pitch, like Vakatawa, you know, if they pick Teddy Tomah, uh, these kind of guys, they can really punish you very quickly. Um, and they're unpredictable. Um, now, they might have a better game plan. I'm hoping they do have a game plan because I think that's probably a key thing for them. You know, this, you know, uh, Jouet kind of brand I think is is dead it doesn't exist anymore um, and no good team um, has been successful with having no plan in a very very long time so I'm hoping that they do bring something to the to, to the table on that front in terms of containing their players it's a big challenge but I think we have the right guys to do that. I would say I'd be cautious enough about how good Vakatawa is, particularly um, when he comes up against good op- opposition. Uh, I'd be wary enough of him defensively. I think there could be opportunities there. And I think, you know, someone like Bundy Aki and Gary Ringrose or Henshaw, um, I think they'd be well able to manage Vakatawa, actually. So um, I wouldn't be as concerned about him. I'd be concerned about the French pack, actually. I think the weight in there... Um, I think the back three are a real threat as well going forward. If they can provide some kind of go forward there, if they have some kind of plan, they'd be bloody hard to stop, you know. So you've that's been, my real concern. You've been hating on Vakatawa. I'm season. not hating on him. Uh, I before just the Munster match in Thornton Park, I thought he'd be good at outside centre. You poo-pooed him then and he's been playing really He really wasn't good. that good that day, though. But he's been very good since. He's good since. Yeah. But I was writing that one away from home. No, uh, I agree with you on that, Luke. He, he does have some flaws. Like he's basically getting the ball in behind him. You know, he, he doesn't have any kicking game. Um, he's slow to turn but like if you get him going forward he's very tough to stop uh, yeah no he look sorry the French have all like they have lots of these kind of things like if you have a good game plan against them um, you know in the last 10 years you know if you can execute on it they do find it difficult um, and they have lots of these guys who are kind of a bit marmite you know they're they're really good at something if all's going well they're unbelievably hard to stop they'll be able to get the yeah. magic pass away they'll be able to step and run through 10 guys but if they don't or if you turn them or if you make it difficult if you pick something all day and just keep nipping at it all day you can kind of break them or they, they'll make a mistake so I'm just Ireland of, are kind of good yeah, at that I'm just thinking of Teddy Tamar in the Champions Cup finally essentially like running the ball out for like a first down and giving Leinster a line out in the 22 That's with a minute left kind of and then things. Leinster scored a yeah. winning penalty and then you think of uh, like even brilliant players like um, uh, the uh, Toulouse uh Huge, like how many mistakes did he make in terms of balls bouncing? Remember against Wales last year, and like those those kind of things. They're, At least Mahina is retired. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but those kind of things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so they'll have these crazy moments yeah. where like Mahina throws a skip, uh, you know, skipping three guys, and it gets intercepted, or Huge gets you know lets the ball bounce, it bounces over his head, and just like they're capable of doing that and self, you know, imploding, I suppose. But um, they do have huge potential. I'm I'm actually I I would agree with Ian. I think there's lots of there's a few green shoots there in terms of, you know, a new coaching staff, an outsider brought in. Like, could that have a big impact on them? Like, Sean Edwards has been a success everywhere he's gone. Um, and I would expect him to have a huge impact there as long as they can understand him, as I said. So, um, yeah, we wait and see on that. But again, to come back to the original point, this is, this is they're difficult to play at home. And Ireland's two away games, like, 
like I'd be worried about that like yeah. I, th I think three three home wins is probably the base case scenario Wales generally don't travel that well over here we usually you know we usually beat them here they usually beat us over there um, Scotland you know every now and then they come up with a big one against us but you'd expect us to, to, to win on the weekend and, and Italy if we can't win that I'd say you know, retire lads. Um, so look, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. You know, I think I, three would be base case, four would be a real result. Yeah, and what about England? Like Eddie Jones was saying that his target is to make them the best team of all time, and he was already talking up like the physical challenge that he thinks they'll pose the French at the weekend. You know, after coming off a World Cup final defeat where they where they didn't really fire in the day, uh, you know, they're in an interesting spot. They are still the favourites to win the Six Nations. Is that how you see it? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have them as favourites just, but I think they're going to have a serious challenge on their hand this weekend. Um, I, do, I do really rate that English side. I think it's a brilliant team. They've got great depth. You know, even if they pick up a few injuries, the guys coming in behind them are just as strong. Um, you, do you the think they have to pick Farrell? Do you, think, do you think not picking Farrell at, at uh, 10 is, is a mistake? Yeah, so, I do. I, I do. It, like I'm just talking about the World Cup, and we're all like everyone thought this Ford Farrell thing was the was the best thing since sliced bread. Like, what, what, is that a mistake? Yeah, I, I I I see it as that. Yeah, I I prefer him at ten. You know, I think the way he imposes himself on games. When you know when he plays well at ten, the team wins. Simple as. Um, <laughs> even playing twelve, like it takes a lot out of you. You know, it's you know the added fatigue with the goal kicking. Um, you end up inevitably having to do more donkey work like you're in there hitting rooks you're making straight up carries whereas as a 10 you know you can ship them you can ship the ball on and wait for the next phase to until you pull the trigger to go for a break you're not getting as hit and as hard mm. you know the centres get a real battering in, in that international game um, and who do you think yeah, it's like, tighter with Ian like in terms of like the, the, the other teams in the competition who who do you think are the real threat to the English team because they've had they have the continuity I mean obviously Billy Winopola is missing but leaving that aside they look you know they were playing the best out of all the the Six Nations teams, pretty close maybe with Wales, but they've obviously had a big bit of turnover as well. Like, who do you think is close to them? You were kind of saying that you're not 100, percent but who do you think is, yeah. is the closest? No, I, I'm pretty bullish on the French. You know they're going well in the Champions Cup. Um, even the sides that you know the Bristol are playing against or will be playing against in the Challenge Cup are going really well. You know, playing good brands of rugby. So you've got like those players coming together from you know 12 different teams in the top 14 coming off the back of a winning culture, bringing it all together with new coaches, off the back of what wasn't an overly disappointing World Cup. You know, they, sh they should have beaten Wales. They would have challenged South Africa. You know, the French would be able to dust that off and, and go again. The, the worry I would have with England is, you know, they've come off the back of, obviously, the World Cup final, and, you know, the hangover that, that you'd have with that, you know, straight back into Europe and the Premiership, which does take its toll on you. You know, it's week in, week out. And those same guys are rolled out every single weekend. And you just wonder, are they going to be able to go to the well again for, you know, five big games? And I can just see them tripping up in one of those five games, whether it's the first one against France or else, you know, we could be the team to catch them out. Um, but outside of that, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's going to be Wales this year. They're kind of in a bit of transition this year. Um, Italy, as we touched on, you know, the, the, the Italian teams are improving, but, you know, I don't think they're going to be um, you know, contesting if they manage to pick up one home win, that'll be a successful tournament for them. Um, I think with Scotland, you know, if you look back over the last, you know, five, seven years, we've had their number. You know, I think they've only beaten us maybe once, possibly twice. Um, you know, if we go out there and everyone produces a six, seven out of ten, 
you know, I think we're winning that game. Um, and I think they'll struggle against England and France as well. Yeah, Ian, just on England, like how big an impact do you think the fallout from, from the, the Saracen scandal will have on that squad? Because obviously there's so many of their key men are in, are involved with that team. And, you know, a lot of kind of big premiership players have come out giving out about it. Like, will, will that unsettle them, do you think? Yeah, it definitely would. You know, it's 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 an added stress. You know, if you're going into the Six Nations and you're kind of going, um, I don't know what club I'm playing with next year. And you're on the phone to your agent going, here, you know, is it going to work out in Saudi's? Um, do I have to move? Is there an, another English club that I can go to? Um, if there's not an English club that I can go to, can I still play for England? Um, you know, if you've got a family with kids and you've got to ship, you know, ship them out to France or or to Japan or whatever it might be, that's you know, that's definitely going to take its toll. And you know, you'd only be naive to think otherwise. There's only so much sheltering you can get from camp. But if these guys are un- uncertain of their future, um, you know, it's really really tough. And you know, on top of that, I think if you know, touched on the resentment that other players might have towards them, I, d- I really don't think that will be an issue. Um, I actually think this, there's a lot of sympathy within players for the Saracens players. You know, it's it's not resentment because you know ultimately those players would have negotiated their contracts. Um, you know, it's all done on an individual basis. You don't really know what's going on. Um, if it's co-investments or if it's image rights or whatever it might be, you're not going to really question um, if everything's above board. You just presume that it is. Now, everyone's kind of going, oh, it, it, it's obvious that it was. It's obvious now because it's come out, but I wouldn't really have questioned it before this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do think that it's, it, there is sympathy towards the players, without doubt. Now, there's resentment towards the management and you know what's going on above the management and um, you know how it was carried on, and you know it's, and you can completely see see why that, and you know there's a couple of stories of why people have that resentment, you know. Yeah, has it been something that I guess has been a big talking point? You know, even in your changing room, is it something that got a lot of like? Were you guys actually just talking about it after it came out, or or, or how did people in your changing room feel about it? Yeah, no, it's like it, obviously guys are talking about it because you know now that they're. Um, you know, they've obviously, you know, they were deducted 35 points, which is a huge story at the time. So, you know, teams are looking going, well, we've a better opportunity of making the top six or top four now that salaries are very unlikely to be in it. You know, and then, you know, obviously now that they're relegated, teams don't have to worry about that. Now, we wouldn't be, wouldn't have been talking about that. Um, but there's no, there's no doubt that it would have been on players' minds. But, you know, <clears throat> we've, we've a guy, Henry Purdy, who's just joined us from, uh, from Coventry and he was with Gloucester um, up until uh, last year and basically they had they had the squeeze on with the salary cap and a lot of the teams in the UK have re- reduced the number of players in their squad um, to be able to retain them within the salary cap and he was like he's a, he's a fantastic player and he was just told look we don't have space in the salary cap we've, we're, we're right at the limit here unfortunately we've got to let you go and you know that was late in the season um, and he couldn't get picked up anywhere else Went over, played Super Rugby, um, came back to the UK again. There was nothing in the Premiership for him, and then we've ended up picking him up in Bristol. And like, I'm looking at him, going, "This guy's a fantastic player." You know what's going on here? And he's basically just explained to me that it was down to the salary cap. And you know, you look at that and you go, "If this guy was playing in salaries, that wouldn't have been an issue." Um, and you can see why. You know, someone like him, he's gone. This has really affected me. You know, and. You can see why he'd have resentment towards us. Um, 
sort of the other side of it is as well, if you're going through a season and you've got, you know, an, an injury crisis, which inevitably every team goes through, you know, if that injury crisis is that tight head or second row or hooker, and you're going, you know, two, three, four deep, you know, into your academy to pick guys, you know, there's a good chance if it's your fourth choice tight head, that, you know, you're probably not going to be winning that game. If there's a penalty at every scrum, you know, we saw, we've seen it loads of times. Um, you know, and that's that's happened with teams. You know, that I think that was one of Quinn's big, you know, points was look, we've lost games because we haven't broken the salary cap. Whereas you guys are, you know, a mil or two million over the salary cap and you can go four deep and that guy's still really good. Yeah, like like and I think that that's a great point. I mean to to like it's the impact on the other clubs, I think. They'll look back and they'll say you know, to Ian's point, you know, maybe an injury crisis, but I think they'll look back even on a on a more high level and say, well, like, I mean, the impact financially of not being able to qualify for a competition when a team is in that top four, top six, that basically couldn't compete with, first of all, but also, like, because they might have had more quality in there as well. But, like, the impact you have, because there are all these things, you know, there's financial benefits to playing in the Champions Cup, to playing in, you know, the, the Challenge Cup, all these things... And all these things filter down and create more pressure. All the jobs that were lost to people who maybe didn't make those playoffs when they were playing it the right way and not cheating. So it's very, very disappointing. And to to your point, Ian, I'd say like I, I just as a pass player, I would say completely agree with the the you know the, there being no resentment towards the players. I mean, players are just negotiating. It's all done on an individual basis. None of these people have any business acumen at all. Um, they wouldn't understand how the financial engineering is working. They just understand, well, this is my bottom line. This is my budget. This is what I've got to do for my family or to provide for myself or to pay for my mortgage or to invest here to prepare for my future. Um, the financial engineering part is down to you know the accountants and whoever these people who, who are trying to make these deals and, and, and go outside the rules of the competition so I think people will have a good understanding around that um, but I suppose the disapp- it'll be more I think the disappointment from the rest of the league about you know think, yeah. about, th- think of all the people who might have lost jobs in clubs who pro- could have been oh, a to- could, could, could have been a top six team um, yeah. you know think of all the fan- all the people who say like your, your, your pal Pergos um, you know who, who's not who's you know, lo- you know if they had been more successful perhaps they might have had more money they would have had cap space for maybe to keep him he doesn't have to go around the world um, you know have that period of uncertainty where he's you know without a club so um, that's probably the disappointing thing I think from a player perspective um, yeah. you yeah. know and I think there's um, endless stories with it you know and like even like the purest side of it like Exer were probably the team that was most bullish about it and they're going you know we're, we're, we're complying with the salary cap you guys weren't and if you were we might have won an extra two or three premierships you know yeah. there's even you know so like this, the stories are endless and you can see why you know, I, I do really feel for, for the players that are involved with it. And what do you think it kind of means for, for the league over there, um, Ian, going forward? You're basically taking out a really dominant force and they're obviously being relegated now. I mean, do you think it, it has a big impact or do you think it's actually good for the league in a way? Uh, no, it's not good for the league. Like, I think, you know, relegation makes that league. It's, it's, it's a fantastic element to it because, you know, you get towards the end of the year you've got teams competing for top two, top four, top six for Champions Cup, and then you've got the rest avoiding relegation. So there's very few dead rubber games throughout that season. Sorry, I mean Um, with uh, with Saracens being relegated, uh, Matt. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. basically now, what what we'll have is we'll have 
basically a race for top six between that, that kind of middle pack. You know, everyone's going to be really pushing hard for top six. And then teams that aren't going to be making top six, I'd say you'll probably see them looking more towards the future and, more, you know, bringing younger guys through later in the season where they wouldn't usually get opportunities. But, you know, they'll effectively be dead rubbers if they're mathematically not able to make the top six. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so, so those no, they they just say, look, we're not making it, but we know we can't get relegated, so we're going to try and prepare for next yeah. season and build a bit of depth. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. And yeah. in terms of just like the 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 quality now that that'll go missing. I mean, I know Saracens don't necessarily have a huge following. Um, you know, in terms of like a Leicester or an Exeter or probably even Bristol at this point. Um. But like, there's still a huge entity in in the competition. Like, do you think it takes away from from the competition not having that team in there, the team that's been so dominant in terms of, I don't know, just even, you know, yeah, no, no, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, salaries coming to town. Like, you know, we we're going to be known close to filling out Ashton Gates. You know, um, it, it's 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 not good for it's not good for anyone. You know, it's um, it's hard to pull the positive out of it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, hopefully they bounce back and they come back and they're compliant and, you know, the Premiership kicks on again. But it's, you know, it's a tough old period, I suppose. Yeah, Ian, and just in terms of your own situation over in Bristol, you know, this season, I guess it's been a, a tough enough season in terms of breaking into to the first team on a, on a regular basis. Like, what's your kind of future at the moment or your status? Yeah, it's been a frustrating few months. Um, you know, I was out of favour towards the end of last season and then, you know, got a couple of opportunities at the start of this year and probably... You know, didn't help myself. Just trying to force things to um, to force my way back in, um, and could have you know could have played better at the start of the season. And but you know, the feeling's good along, and it's kind of turning back in my favour now. You know, started a couple of games, and you know, being back in the twenty three, which has been good. So hopefully, this the second half of the season will be um, more favourable to me. Um, but yeah, my contract's up now in, in Bristol at the, at the end of the season. So. Um, kind of going through that process at the moment and um you know maybe looking at potentially coming back coming back home obviously all the, all the Irish provinces are going as strong as ever and you know you'd have to be involved be involved there again but um yeah we just have to wait and see and would you like to go back to Leinster or would you be willing to play for another province uh no I'd be open you know playing with, with any of the provinces you know um you know be it Leinster Munster Connacht or Ulster you know there's great things going on with you know Andy Friend down in Connacht or Dan McFarland up in Ulster you know there's, you know, seems to be a really good thing going there um, you know Munster and Ulster are as strong as ever so um, no, it would be a joy to play with any of those any of the four provinces and how's the uh, how's the form with all that Mads I mean you've always been really good at bouncing back from you know I suppose setbacks and things like that I mean uh, and, and always the, the Mr. Professional you can't, couldn't get the, the fella off the massage beds back in the day uh, <laughs> <laughs> or out of, the, out of those elastic stretchy bands you're the most flexible man ever I think you, if, if the oh, rugby doesn't gosh. work out there's probably a career in gymnastics for you but how is um, <laughs> how uh, bar the bar I'm not sure how good you'd look in the tights to be honest but listen like how is the head Is are you are you in good form are you kind of positive about yeah. you know maybe a possibility of staying and fighting for the place there or are you like you know you're kind of saying well look it doesn't really matter where I end up but back myself to get in the team yeah no like I, I absolutely, absolutely like you know I'm happy happy out in Bristol you know love, love the rugby program there and love living there you know and I'll continue to fight to get, get back in and you know full belief that you know I can be the first choice guy there um but yeah, look, I still still love the game as much as ever. You know, I'm fitting well, and, um, 
you know, I was hungry for it, you know, as, as I was, you know, when I was back in school. Um, so, yeah, look, you, you know yourself in season, they can kind of ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when things are going well, everything falls in place. When when things aren't, you know, you pick up niggly injuries or um, games don't fall the way you want. Um, so it's, I suppose it's just about finding a way to to make things turn in your tide. And, um, you know, I feel like it's definitely coming good for me at the moment. So, you know, I'm really excited about the second half of the season. Uh, and when you reflect on, I guess, the last couple of years, because obviously I think this is your fourth season away from Ireland playing your rugby in Europe. Um, do you, like, look back on any regret and think, you know, look at the exposure that Joey Carberry and the Ross Burns have gotten and, and, and the Ireland exposure that some of them have gotten to and think, uh, you know, I wish I actually maybe I'd stayed and maybe gone to a province instead of Leinster or stayed at Leinster uh, and, you know, just tried to, to you know, keep going in that direction. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, you'd be you'd be lying if you said you weren't, you know, looking at, um, you know, how other guys are getting on in other clubs. And I suppose the grass is always greener. But at the same time, I do my best to just be, you know, forward focused and uh, not to dwell on, on the past, you know. Um, a strong belief in the, the decisions I make. You know, once I've made it, I'll you know I'll talk to the key key people who would advise me, and um, you know, at the right time, I feel it's the right decision. So it's just it's just about getting on with it. Then I'm not one to to be dwelling on the past or what might have been. Um, I've really enjoyed the decisions that I've made. Um, you know, whether it was going to France or going to Bristol, so. Um, you know, I'm just really excited about where where the next step might take me, or or if it keeps me in Bristol. Would you would you actually have regretted that? I mean, like uh, as far as I can see, I I can't see anyone else who's really gone to another province and really excelled. Uh, you, like, yeah, no, 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 but sorry, yeah, but like I'm talking yeah. about like you know, I I I would have thought unbelievable experiences, definitely some challenging things, but they just build personality. I mean, you've all your career after yeah. after rugby. What I, I think. I don't know, like, and if you look at Leinster, like, look, Johnny Sex would have been there. Yes, he would have been fighting for a place with him, um, but that's that would have been pretty challenging, you know, uh, to but, to get in. But for first Ireland, there's been like kind of a big gap as a, as someone fighting with Johnny yeah, Sex. You know, there's been like four years where there's been like a three or four different faces there. Yeah, yeah. So from that perspective, but has, have any of them really stood out and got well, exposed? That's, that's you think maybe point. Ian could have been there? Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah. know. I just feel like I mean, there's been two great opportunities. Like I would have thought that the Bordeaux one wouldn't. Like I think that one didn't work out as well. Even though at the end of that one, it actually could have worked out well. But the decision had already made to go to Bristol. But you've come up through the leagues with them, and yeah, it's been a challenging six months. But uh, do you? I mean, would you actually think that, or would you be? I would have said that, that's been no, it, no, no, absolutely. It's like, been a great move. The Bristol one's been yeah, it has. It's been a successful move. You know, they're next. Getting up from the championship and now being an established premiership side, you know, no doubt I would have liked to have started more games, but you know, at the same time, played you know a big part in um, in the team being successful and staying in the premiership last year. Um, you know, I look back on that very proudly. You know, it's a it's a different challenge to, for example, with Leinster winning Champions Cups, but you know, it can be just as, as satisfying. You know, reaching team goals within within that environment. You know. Um, you know, I still have that hunger to be winning trophies, but um, you know, I think knowing your station at the time, with the team you're in, and seeing them grow can be just as satisfying. Yeah, but she would have been sitting on the bench, like you could have been sitting on the bench behind Johnny. Like who? I don't know. Riding the yeah. pine for me is like you have to go somewhere where you have, I think, a, a proper chance uh, or opportunity to get in the first team. You know, I think he'd have to play yeah. very, ba- very yeah. bad for a long time with the money they're paying him to to get ahead of him. Like, and I think that's going to be like you look at Conor Murray. 
it's the same thing. The economics of it, like, they're paying Conor Murray whatever they're paying him. He has to play bloody terrible for ages to not get picked, if I'm being really honest about why why I think he's not. It's very hard for him to get dropped, to be honest mm. with you. Um, and I would say that was a great move. I'm surprised to hear you say that, to be honest with you, but it's because um, I think no, they'd no, be great moves. With, yeah. with, no, no, yeah. I was saying I was happy with the move, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good to hear because yeah. I think they've been good no, no, moves. I, they've been I, challenging I like that. last couple of months, yeah. but jeez. Um, in terms yeah, of like you've touched on there, like it's grown, like kind of grown me as a person as well. Like you, things are kind of easy when you're at Lancer. You know, you're you're your schoolmates or you're close. You know, you've got your family around you. Nothing like moving away to kind of make you grow up a bit and mature as a person. You know, I've loved that side of things. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe just to finish up, lads, you might get some Six Nations predictions. Uh, Luke, I'll start with you. Like, how do you think Ireland will do and who do you think will win overall? Uh, I think Ireland will come second. Um, I think... Um, you know they've still got the, the their key guys are still in there. I think they've made a few mistakes with selection, but um, I think there's still probably not a huge amount of difference in terms of like say I think Reece Ruddock, for example should be at six. Uh, I would have had Sean Crone at two, um, or if if Kelleher was fit, you know, uh, for a little bit longer maybe him. But that I would have one of those two guys there. But I think that the two guys are in are pretty good. Um, you know, uh, and I think Ireland have a, have a lot of, con- lot of I suppose, experience in very important positions. I think they'll go well. I think they might be able to nick one of those away games, um, depending on how France get on in the early parts of the competition. But they're capable of beating that English team as well. Um, I have England as winners. Um, I have Italy as losers. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really try. I don't, I don't go against the grain too much in these things. I'm kind of going on previous performances. The guys to watch, I think, are the clear, clearly Wales and France. Um, France more an unknown quantity. How Wales will play under a new coaching staff? No Sean Edwards there. Will there be a big change defensively? That's kind of the key points. If I was to wrap up and summarise fairly quickly about mm-hmm. what I think the championship is about. What about you, what about you, Mads? Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think. I'm still bullish about the French. I think they, if they beat England this this weekend, they'll be they'll be tough to stop. So they'd be my pick to win it, and mm. um, hopefully we'll be close runners up. Mm. Well, that was a lot of <laughs> to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. Ian, thanks for coming on for probably the 25th time. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, best of luck yeah, for the rest. For no on, problem. Man. Best of luck yeah, for the rest cheers. of the season. Cheers, Mads. Best of luck. Yeah, talk to you soon. Cheers, bye, bye, bye. See you, bye, bye. Cheers, bye, bye. Ian. That's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast reviewing all the weekend Six Nations action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thank you for listening and goodbye.